This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Thank you. Well, it was a build-up, wasn't it, from my son-in-law. You don't expect a son-in-law to say nice things about you. But as he's having dinner with me, he'd better. <laughs> right, making a lot of meals for him at the moment, aren't I? Yeah. Right. Do you know, I've been a Christian for, at least I've been a committed Christian for 51 years. I have been a Christian, a believer, my entire life, since I was seven days old. I was taken to chapel at seven days old, and I have never been away. I love church. I've loved it from the time I was a child right through. So I have always had faith. I've had Faith that has always believed in God and loved Jesus from a small child. And as a a tiny child, I think I've told you, I had an uncle who lived with us and he was a a, a postman. He used to get up at about half past three in the morning and he would tell me things like, bed is the best place in the world, bed is the best place in the world. And I'd be practically crying, telling him, no uncle die, no uncle die, chapel is the best, chapel is the best. I loved church, so I've always had faith. But I want you to know a verse in scripture. Because about back in the 80s, the charismatic movement moved into Llanelli. Do we remember that? Yeah? Wow. It caused ructions among the churches. The charismatic, the infilling of the Holy Spirit arrived, and it even touched the Welsh Baptists. It was amazing. And at that point, I got filled in the spirit. And I went around and I asked people, what is faith? What is faith? And they all gave me answers. Not good answers, but they didn't satisfy me in some way. And it wasn't that their answers were wrong. Maybe I wasn't in the place to hear what they were saying. And then many years later, a man called Martin Lloyd-Jones, who is one of my great heroes of the faith, Welsh boy, who is one of the world's best theologians. And he described faith as this, simply believing God. That's it. And I still didn't get it. It's too simple, simply believing God. Until just a few weeks ago when I was sharing with Pastor Phil, I think last week or week before, that when God reveals to you that faith is simply believing God, it'll change your life. If you can get this, it'll change your life. Faith isn't believing in God, about God, the things of God, the promises of God. Those things are all part of it. But real faith is simply believing God. And I think this is the faith that the prophet, uh, that the, Paul speaks about when he says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because this faith is about what we have just sung. Um, what is the song? I've forgotten the, the song. Um, yes, all my faith is in the unseen, the everlasting God is working good for me. That's the essence of faith. And your faith will be unshaken no matter what circumstance you're in. This is what Paul experiences when he speaks in Philippians 4. 
when he says, I can do all things now through Christ who continually infuses me with strength. I have learned to be content in all circumstances, whether I've got much or whether I've got nothing, whether I'm eating a lot or whether I'm eating a little, whether I've got a lot of money, whether I'm being persecuted, whether I'm being stoned, and he went through phenomenal stuff. Whether I'm in shipwrecks, I know I can put up with it, I can do it, because Christ continually infuses me with strength. That is simply believing God in your circumstance. He's an amazing God. So, where am I going with this, you may ask? Here's my verse. This is my underpinning verse for this, and it's Galatians 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Please listen. The only thing that counts, in another version it says, only one thing matters, and that is faith expressing itself through love. If you have great faith, you will have great love. And if you have great love, you have got great faith. Got me? Faith shows itself in love. James names it as works, doesn't he? James talks about faith and works, but it's the works of love. Without the expression of love in our life, we are denying the fact that we have faith in God. We don't simply believe God. Because faith will rob you of all fear. Perfect love, when John 4, casts out fear. You're with me. So I'm going to go with this to a man. I like to, when I'm speaking and you've got a, a scripture, I like to sort of pin that scripture onto a person. Because if you can see the way a person behaves, it sometimes makes it clearer for us. Because when you see this acted out in a person, you see... What is meant? And the person I'm going to go with is Joseph. It's Christmas time. So I'm going to go with Joseph, who is amazing. He is so underrated, this man. This man is a phenomenal man. He was chosen out of all men the world has ever known to bring up the Son of God. How good must he have been? How good must he have been? So to start, Joseph, he was about 28 to 34. Now, I've looked this up. Isn't Google marvelous? Do you know, years ago, you would have had to go to the library and go through about 40 books before you would have got to the point you wanted to make, uh, you wanted to, to find out about. So you just Google in, how old was Joseph? And a whole range things come out for you. There's lots of, of things in there, but the consensus was he must have been about 28 to 34 years of age because men needed to have started a business or at least have some form of work where they could support a family. But Mary, believe it or not, could have been as young as 12. Oh dear, dear. Yeah, no, it, it seems horrific to us. She was between 12 and 15 years of age. All right? So that's where we're at. And they were betrothed. 
Now, betrothed is something very different to our engagement. They didn't, she didn't just wear a ring on her finger, so if she got fed up with them, she could break it off. That wasn't it. Betrothed was a legally binding decision, um, commitment. If to break it, they had to have a divorce. So they were legally married, but for about a year, they didn't live together and the marriage wasn't consummated. Have you got me? Right? So it's very important to remember that that betrothal isn't just our engagement. Legally, they were married, but the ceremony for marriage hadn't taken place and they hadn't slept together. So there we go. Isn't that interesting? I found that fascinating. This brought up. So here's my verse. So first of all, it's Matthew 1, 18 to 25, and we all know it. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, this is the verse that really, really touched me. But because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, a good man, it says in other scriptures, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. What a man. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. You may be asking, where am I going with this? Joseph decided, because he was a good man, to not expose her to public shame, but to divorce her quietly and secretly. Don't you think that's amazing? He had the right to take her to court and have her stoned to death. But he chose not to. You see, real faith shows itself in protecting other people's reputations. And that's the first thing that I want to say about this man. This man was prepared to cover Mary's sin. Great faith. Love covers a multitude of sins. He didn't go about telling people, he didn't justify his own position in divorcing her by saying, you don't know what she's done. Let me tell you the truth about this now before you start judging me and why I've divorced her. He didn't look after his own reputation in any way. He safeguarded Mary's reputation. And that, I think, is where real love hits the road. It's where the rubber hits the road. When somebody wrongs us, do we want to see them exposed to disgrace? Do we want to see them get their comeuppance? People will find out, truth will out, I've said it all. I've said all that, I've thought all that, and I've wanted all that. And this verse sort of put it into 
This is how God behaves. And great faith will cover other sins and leave your reputation up to God. Can you see that? Can you see how wonderful he was for God to choose him? That Mary, now this young girl, maybe 12 to 15 years of age, is unthinkable to us, isn't it, that she would be pregnant even. But not only that, she was going to be exposed to public shame. She could have been stoned to death for getting pregnant outside of marriage. And this lovely man comes along and says, do you know what? I'll do it quietly so she doesn't have to go through any of that. And I wonder if that's how I am. Because perfect love casts out all fear of your own reputation and of your own concerns and of your own um, uh, justification. He didn't justify himself to anybody. He, did, he was going to do it quietly. Don't you think he's wonderful? That has so touched me, I think I'll be living in this verse for months and months. Because that's the type of Christian I want to be. I want to be somebody that when I'm aggrieved by people, when they've not only just annoyed me, but they've hurt me, they've willfully gone out of their way to hurt me and to talk about me and to say dreadful things about me. But I want to be the person who turns and says, I'll cover their sin. I'll cover their sin. I won't put it right. I won't tell people what they've done. I'll just take it all on board and quietly I'll go to God. That's Joseph. And that is a Christ-like attitude. So no wonder God chooses him. That alone tells you why God chose this man. He is so wonderful. And you know, girls, if you want a husband, look for a Joseph. Look for a Joseph. Do you know why Helen prayed before she got married for a Joseph? She prayed that when she was 37 getting married, and she prayed for a Joseph. She got Martin. <laughs> I won't say any more. <laughs> but, but can you see, this is, this is what Christianity is really about. Because great faith produces great love. And they're two sides of the same coin. We can't do without one of them. They have to come together in our lives to show. So, this faith will rob you, first of all, of fear. It robs you of that fear of your reputation. You're not going to start justifying, defending yourself by blackening somebody else. With me? You're not going to subject them to shame to get you out of it. You will cover their sin. So first of all, he covers her sin. Second. It's a second. Faith leads us into living an exciting life. Do you know, I have some pet hates. Now, there are people who will say, and some of them are sitting in this church, that I am the worst driver in the world. <laughs> I gave lift to Joe this morning, only parked the car outside, he gets out, you're the worst driver in the world, Guy. 
off he goes. Helen tells me that you were the worst driver in the world. I don't think I am. There's a lot worse than me on the road. But I have pet hates in driving. A <laughs> really critical driver of others. Pet hate number one. When you're at the traffic lights and it's on green, and then people put their handbrakes off and get ready to go. Oh, I get cross at that. I get really angry. Amber is get ready, green is go. <laughs> Am I right? Stop, get ready, go. That's what you're taught in schools. You should be going on green, not putting off the handbrake and waiting. Am I right? Yeah? yeah? Right, lots of others agree with me. <laughs> Pet hate number two. People who do 20 to 25 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone. 30 to 35 miles an hour in a 40 mile an hour zone. And never go more than 40 in a fast road. And if they get up to 44 or 45, if they go, oh, we're going now, oh, they slow down, back down to 40. Oh, that winds me up, something awful. Oh, I get cross about that. You know, there are lots of things that wind me up. Not jumping into a parking space, I could put up with that. Anything, but it's this idea that I cannot break the law. Do they stop at a junction, not a junction, a roundabout, when there is nothing in sight? <laughs> Empty roads all around them. Anywhere you look, there's not a car to be seen, but they stop at the roundabout. Oh, dear me, they, they heard me. So things like that wind me up, and they're called steady eddy drivers. Nah. Can't do that. Might use more petrol if I go a bit faster. So we'll stop here now. Roger goes, oh, that's the area. They've got the Sunday drivers out today. You should hear my husband on this. We were once coming through. I've got to tell you the story. We were once coming down through, um, going through up through Mid Wales. And we turn off. And there is a traffic light on this road. I can't remember the name of it now. You'd know it. There's nothing there. There's a, there's a policeman sitting here, so I better be careful. It was a policeman. There's nothing on this road. It's just a road going through tr um, fields. But there's a farm road. Must be a farm road. So there's a traffic light there, which is always on red. It's always on red. So Roger and I had been doing 70 all the way along, fast. And there was a car stopped at this traffic light. So in the end, he said, I can't put up with this. Overtook on the red and off he went. Not to realise there was an unmarked police car behind us who followed us down and said, now I could put up with you going fast all the way along, but overtaking at a traffic light, I can't let that go. But I'm on my way to a meeting, so I won't, I won't do anything about it. So in any case, off we went. So we're pretty impatient, aren't we, at the steady eddy drivers. But you know what? We can be steady, eddy Christians. We can be Christians who don't want to shift out of our comfort zone. Yeah. We don't want to move out of our comfort zone, do we? This is why we're afraid to give our money, just in case. We're afraid to give our time, just in case, I'll, you know, I won't have enough time for me, I won't be busy. Afraid to give our effort, in case it tires us out. We become these steady, eddy Christians who don't do anything wrong. The Christians don't do anything wrong. They're not going to break the laws in any way. Keep to the rules, but never take a chance. And you know what? You'll never, ever experience the miracle of God's sufficiency in your life. You're self-sufficient. We become these self-sufficient Christians that we work within our limits. So we don't take a chance. 
I can never do that, you say. I could never speak. Who told you you could never speak? Who's told you you can never speak? I can never pray. Who's told you you can never pray? Who's told you you can't obey God? Who told you those things? But where fear holds us back, doesn't it? And we miss the miracle. We miss the miracle. And in the next portion, the angel comes to Joseph in a dream. You see, Mary had had the manifestation of the archangel Gabriel in front of her. Do you know what? If he turned up in front of me, I think I'd believe him too. You imagine the angel. Don't forget, these angels shone. They shone. It says they'd been in the glory of God. It's like Moses' face shone when he was in, in face to face with God. God spoke to him face to face, so his face shone. The angels are in the presence of God, which is that they have no glory of their own. They just display the glory of God to us. So if he turns up this afternoon to one of you, I think you're going to, other people think you're crackers, but you're going to believe him, aren't you? You're going to believe. Joseph didn't have that. Joseph had a dream. Joseph just, just had a dream. And out of that dream, he obeys. Out of that dream, he takes a chance that God is faithful to his word. And he marries Mary. He's no steady, eddy Christian. Joseph is prepared to take a chance. And by taking a chance, he actually gets to look after the plan of God, Jesus Christ. You want to look after God's plan? You need to come out of our comfort zones. We need to be prepared to obey at every point. The plan works. Now, a bit of bragging here for you. I've been doing Slimming World for about 11 months. I've gone down three dress sizes. Yeah? Give me a clap. I think I deserve it. All right. So, lady, and more. My husband is on his third set of trousers. He's lost so much weight. We're constantly buying. Gentleman here, done Slimming World. Lost three stone. The plan works. This, that's just Slimming World, by the way which I go to the meetings, and they're wonderful. Nurturing, positive, non-judgmental, non-critical, encouraging, fun, wonderful. This is the plan of God, and it works. And it works. Stick to the plan, it works. Go out of the plan, it don't work. Faith expressed and set by love is the only thing that matters, it works. You with me? Because faith will lead you to obedience because it'll cast out all fear from you. So you won't be frightened of obeying God. The things that you don't want to happen to you will happen to you. Right? People are afraid. People have come to me in the past and asked me, should I change my job, Byron? What is God saying? Well, I don't really know what God is saying about changing your job. Does it really matter if you change your job? What they really want is an absolute assurance that if they change their job, nothing bad or nothing adverse will happen to them. That's not faith. That's not faith. That's not faith in the unseen. You got me? That's wanting seen assurance that nothing bad. He didn't have that. Joseph didn't have that. He just had the faith believing God. The plan works. 
and we're here to look after the plan, just like Joseph. That's our job. The plan of God was Jesus Christ and the gospel to the world. We're here to look after the plan. And if we're not prepared to take a chance, we'll never do it. We'll be too afraid to move. Ask him to go out on the street next week and give out things to people. I don't know when I do that. I'd rather speak to a church of 2,000 than go out on the road and speak to one. There's where my fear lies. Some of you may say I can speak to one, but I would never stand up in front of people. Can you see we're all different? We all have our own fears and our own worries and our own concerns about ourselves. But take a chance. Take a chance on God. And do you know what you'll find? Miracles happen. Miracles happen when we take a chance. You know? Steady eddies never experience that wonder of God working through them because they're self-sufficient. But when you launch out and say, I cannot do this if you're not here. I've got to do this with you or not. You know? You won't. I've got a chronic illness um, and it manifests itself in um, the chronic fatigue syndrome and muscles which are very, very painful. And it used to lay me up for two months at a time, which is why I had to give up work. And I know when I'm getting tired because my muscles start to ache. Once my legs start to ache and I feel, oh, right, oh, I'm doing too much. And last week my legs started, I thought, oh, my legs are bad, right, oh. And before I used to get anxious, I used to be so worried, you know, that, oh, I'll be ill and um, I'll be ill and I've got to do it and, and I'll be laid up and I'll, Christmas will be spoiled or whatever. I used to get this anxiety. And I learned, you see, Paul learned to be content. You have to learn certain things. It's not going to come overnight. You learn it. Now I know. So I go and I tell her, right, oh, Lord. Now I've got a lot of work to do this week and it's your work. So if you don't come into this situation... I'm not going to be able to do it. And inevitably, God strengthens me. I'm fine today. I have no muscle pains today. I have no aches today. I told Philip Horton to go, why am I getting better instead of worse when I'm getting older? What is happening? It's all topsy-turvy. Why is my arthritis getting better and not worse? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Because if you claim the word of God, the plan works. The plan works. But you've got to take a chance. You have to trust him that when you've asked him that, you then, you see, what we want is the evidence before we've done the work. Got me? We want the evidence of being well, then I'll work. But actually, when you work, you will get well. Got me? It works the other way. That's faith. Faith steps out before. Jesus didn't see that the water was solid before he stepped on it. Uh, with me? So trust God. I've got none of that written down here, but never mind. So that's number two. When he covers a sin, two, he is absolutely brave. He is courageous in his faith. I know why ABC was called Young and Brave Church. So be brave, kids. Be brave. Do it for God. Watch the plan work. And number three, I'm going to Luke 2 for number three. Luke 2, verse, somebody wants it. 
four to seven. There we go. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, note, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. He was pledged to Mary. By this time, they were not married. They were married legally. They hadn't had the ceremony. They hadn't slept together. Can you imagine the gossip mongers in that town about Mary and Joseph? This is something that shouldn't have happened. They shouldn't have been together. Nothing should have happened. He's married her without telling anybody that this baby isn't his. And now he's taken her with everybody believing this baby is his. And he's been conceived outside of the season that he should have been conceived in. Got me? It's, a, it's an amazing verse when you think about it. And for me, it came to this. He not only covers our shame, but he's prepared to share our shame. Wow. Got it? Yeah. Isn't he amazing? Right. Doesn't just cover it. He prepared to share it. He stands by her. And you know what? I bet tongues were wagging, because tongues always wag. We ain't changed a bit in 2,000 years and thousands before that. We like the wagging tongue. We like to tell people, ooh, have you seen them? And I bet there was an awful lot of that going on in Nazareth about Mary and Joseph. But this man just took it, shared her shame. He couldn't bear her shame. That was going to be for his son to do, who bore all our shame on the cross. But he could share it. He could walk with her. He could support her. He could do all that. It doesn't say they were living together. I, I, I couldn't find out about that on Google. But whether they were living together or not, I don't know. So I don't want to condone living together here outside of marriage. But they were still betrothed. The ceremony hadn't taken place. So really, they shouldn't have been together. Got me? According to Jewish law, they shouldn't have been together. And she shouldn't have been pregnant. And I'm sure they were both gossiped about. But this lovely man shared her shame. And I just feel that for us, you see, real faith reacts in real love, where we will be prepared to stand by people, no matter what the world says about us. Jesus was called, what, um, he mixes with um, sinners and drunkards and prostitutes and publicans, you know? How can he mix with all those people? But Jesus bore their shame, slightly different. You know, we're not looked down on people, not to judge people. We are to be for people. So, I want to be like this. Please don't think I've got it all together and I'm saying I'm like this. I do all of this and I can tell all of you how to do it. Because I haven't. It's a journey. It's a journey. But for me, I think Joseph was the perfect man. 
No wonder God allowed him to father Jesus. And he got to teach the person who created trees to make a chair. He taught Jesus carpentry. How amazing is that? The creator of all things. He was allowed to speak into his life. He was allowed to bring him up. He was allowed to love him and to be with him and to be his father. And we're to do that with Jesus. We are to be that with Jesus. We're to share him with others. We're to love him. We're to nurture him in our lives. We're to be taught by him. But we're to give to him. We're to give him worship. We're to give him love. We're to give him adoration. He is meant to be the center of our life, not an addition to our lives. We can be Joseph to the world. We can cover sin when we see it instead of justifying ourselves when we're wronged. We can take a chance for God and then have everything God promises. Wow, imagine when you take a chance and God comes through for you. Wow, it's amazing. It's amazing. And we can share the people's shame by standing with them with others are turning their backs on them. That's what we're meant to be. And this lovely man had it all. Only one thing matters. Faith, which works by love. And it takes great faith to have great love. And great love always results in great faith. The plan works. Get with the plan. See God work for you. Jesus' name. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.